podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, welcome to another depressing episode of the Spurs Show. It's very difficult at the moment to sort of be up and positive about what's going on. Uh, the only positive today, we record this on the 60th anniversary on the day that Tottenham Hotspur became the first British club to lift a European trophy in Rotterdam. 60 years in, what a shit show. My God, there must be some <laughs> legends turning in their grave. Uh, with the absolute crap that we are enduring at the moment, we're having to deal with. It's just, it's groundhog season, really, the way it is at the moment. Anyway, joining me tonight, hopefully might cheer me up somehow, uh, <laughs> the broadcaster and pundit, Abby Summers. How are you, Abby? I'm okay. I'm good. I'm just happy the season is nearly. We're nearly out. We're nearly yeah. over. I know. It kind of finished after Milan. Let's be honest. I mean, that yeah, could have been that was it. it. But uh, it's been a, a weird end to the season. Also joining us is the agent Simon Dent. How are you, Simon? Yeah, likewise. I'm well, but looking forward to the season being. <laughs> I'm afraid. I know. I know. We all are. And finally, but it has been on for a while, and has uh, you know one of the the rare people that's hosted this tawdry show. The uh, comedian and actor Andy Davis. How are you, Andy? I'm good. It's been three years, Mike, since Is I've been on. Really? Bloody yeah. Hell. Jo- Jose Marino was in charge when I was last wow. on. Yeah. Nothing, have I, what nothing, have I missed? No, nothing's really changed, really. <laughs> <there's three years. laughs> I know. But it's still awful. <laughs> um, and as we record this show after the defeat against Villa, I think pretty much now Europa League is out the question. I think with Brighton's, let's face it, wonderful win against uh, the Woolwich. I think we're looking at European Conference League or nothing. And I think most Spurs fans will look at their bank balance and, and having to pay extra for games and will go, I'd rather take nothing. Uh, probably mo- probably a lot of players as well. Anyway, so on tonight's show, we're going to look back at Aston Villa. We're going to look back at this bizarre uh, statement that Tottenham supposedly released on Friday night, distance himself from ever meeting Julian Nagelsmann. Never heard of him, don't know who he is. Quite incredible. There's more rumours about Tottenham now trying to renegotiate the Kulisevsky deal because now we're not in Champions League. They don't want to pay the full money. It's just one thing after another. Another thing coming out today, uh, one of the directors of footballs uh, that we were after, that's now not not like it's going to happen. And then we're going to look ahead on, uh, we'll do a separate recording and on Friday we will look at the Brentford game and also a huge game for the women's side as well playing the bottom team, Reading. And if we lose that game, there's a very good chance that Tottenham women will be relegated from the Women's Super League after only being there a couple of seasons, which again will be a catastrophe for the women's game in Tottenham Hotspur. Right, well, let's let's kick off with uh, Aston Villa, Abby. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I must admit everyone out there, and it's very, very rare that I ever do this. I, I, I had the opportunity to watch the game and I thought, you know what? I'm not going to ruin my afternoon. I'll watch the extended highlights later. And when I got the the buzzing that I get from various apps after eight minute Tottenham one down, I just, I was completely numb to it and completely numb to getting a goal back to one, numb to the fact that all son, you know, thought he'd scored offside. 
It's just, I, 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 I know I'm hosting a show and everyone wants to slip their wrist already, but it, it's very difficult for Tottenham fans <laughs> at the moment, isn't it, Abby, to have any, take anything out of the season, any kind of positives. We all feel really cheated by the people currently running this football club. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you can find a positive, I commend you, other than the fact that we are nearly at the end of the season. Um, Villa was just, you know, <laughs> apologies, I'm a bit unwell, but um, more of the same, more of the same, what we've seen every single week, pretty much, uh, I'd argue since probably December, mm. um, just really poor, can't defend, can't pass the ball forward, no creativity, pretty sure Son was offside every single time he had the ball in an attacking position. The defence, again, just looking around at each other, they had they just panic every single time they've got the ball. Um, and that is just, I mean, I look at them and I think to myself, like, this is this is not a team that should even be in the top half of the table mm. when I see how they play sometimes. I mean, we're, um, we're rudderless, just, aren't we? We're rudderless. I think yeah, that's what it boils down completely. to. There is no leader there. Well, there isn't. We've got, yeah. we've got a, a lovely guy in Ryan Mason. I think he's doing the best he can. Um, but this is a big job. And the fact that Tottenham have decided not to appoint anyone now just to see out the season is, is to me, it's gross negligence. Well, well, that's the thing. You know, you think that when Antonio Conte left and, you know, I'm, I was fine with him leaving, it was not going how it needed to go and it was it was very, very toxic. I absolutely think he does shoulder some blame. I think it's very evenly split between players, manager and board as to why we're in this situation. Ultimately, he does absolutely stop with the board, though. Um, but, you know, he left us in a position when we were fourth in the table and, you know, had... We are bored that was potentially competent enough to think that it's only March. Let's go get a manager. Pochettino mm. was available. There are other managers also available at the time. Instead, they go down the bizarre route of leaving Stellini in charge. And mm. it, that was just absolutely bizarre. And it was never, ever going to work. So, you know, that took away a good few weeks and, you know, a couple of months or so of, of, of games and picking up any points. And then you give it to Ryan Mason and... You know, I feel a bit sorry for the guy because this job is, is way too big for him. I know he's thrown his hat into the ring, but this is, I, I say it's never going to happen. But, you know, with our board, the cheapest option usually, you know, is the, is the right one for them. Um, but again, it's just no direction. And I think that when you sack a manager in March, you don't see any other club it's aside from Chelsea potentially. I mean, they still brought in Frank Lampard as a manager, whether or not that was, you know, good or bad of an idea. But, you know, you don't see any other club that's well run just decide to basically throw in the towel in March when you're in a top four position. Yeah. Had they got someone in and had a bit of direction and a bit of brains, you know, who's, who's to say that Tottenham couldn't have finished in the top four? Mm. But instead, you know, now we're all hoping that we finish in eighth place. And as I said on another show last week, it's not because I personally feel we're too good for the conference league. I don't. But I would either like a manager, if we do finish in that in that spot, to come in and say, I'm playing my full team because you're going to learn what it means to actually win a trophy, even if you think it's utter crap. You're going to learn how to get yourselves over the line and have a bit of mentality and a bit of pride at winning any type of trophy. Mm -hmm. Or I'd rather just not be in it because the players aren't going to really put any effort into it. They think they're, good, they're too good for it, which they're not. So mm -hmm. I'd rather just finish in eighth. And this season has just petered out bit by bit ever since, as you said, before we started the Milan game, I think the Sheffield game as well. Um, and it's just been appalling. This is probably one of the worst seasons I've ever seen. And yeah. I saw a charity game that took place the yeah. other day with all the old players, you know, Defoe, yeah. Chimbonda, yeah. Palacios. And I honestly yeah. thought to myself, I wonder if they're free for Brentford yeah. on Saturday. Yeah. No, no. I, really, I thought they'd, they'd, they'd offer a lot more than what we're seeing. And, Weed them out, uh, yeah. 
just the problem has come from the top. We know that fish yeah. rots from its head, but you know he owns the club. What can you do? You can't get him out. So this it's is stuck it. in this endless cycle. Simon, you work within the game, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong. You've come into the football industry as a massive fan. So I'm assuming most days when you're dealing within people in football, you're absolutely loving it because you love this game and you're well connected. You know a lot of people in and around the game. How is it possible for people to be at the absolute top table of Premier League football for 20 years and still, as far as I can see, have no feeling for other people in the game to have a sense that even by osmosis, something rubs off on you that that something goes right and you can start making right decisions. How is that possible? What's your feeling on that, Simon? Yeah, I mean, I've had to tiptoe around this subject a lot over the last few years. But to be honest, in the last two months, I've just, I, you know, I am, our board and our chairman aren't fit for purpose. And it pains me to say that, and it probably doesn't help me from a business point of view, but I've got to the stage now where... Don't worry, no one listens to this, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'll be brutally honest. I kind of, it, it means more to me than the yeah. business advantages, advantages from turning the line. And I, and I just feel now that it, the club has been mismanaged. And I'll go as far as to say as I think, from the football club's point of view, I think the new stadium has created a lot of our problems. Yeah, It created a lot of excuses for years. And what's happened is, in the eyes of agents, incoming players, incoming potential directors of football managers or whatever coaches, it gives everyone the impression that we're a massive football club with lots and lots of money. Where, in fact, we like to think we're a massive football club. But the last 30 years, we haven't been a massive football club. What's also happened is, post-2017, we're no longer an underdog. So we sit in this place where... We're not underdogs because everyone thinks we've got money and we're not a massive club because we don't win things. So effectively, we now attract, unfortunately, a lot of the wrong type of players who are just after a payday. And mm-hmm. that manifests itself massively throughout the club, not just on the field, but in the departments, off the field. And, you know, and it's, it, we've just got in this really difficult position. And we've, I don't know how we get out of it. And, I, and obviously, Abby touched on the sort of ownership structure. That is a huge problem because that is... That's not going away quickly. That's that you know that is a problem we're stuck with. So, where, how we address the culture is is a huge issue. And, and to be honest, I just don't have the answers. And unfortunately, in the circle, in some of the circles I move in, we're a laughing stock. We're seen as a club that you know will, everyone tries on to get a load of money. There's often players that come into the club that don't have the right attitude, but they're often seen as the solution, often because of the cheap solution. Mm. And so it's become pretty toxic. And I. And I've, I've got caught up in a lot of the sort of media this week about new managers. And actually, the sad thing is, and it's a terrible thing to say, I don't think it really makes any difference. Okay. And that's a terrible yeah. thing to say. Like, it, you know, I, I really think that getting our hopes up because so-and-so is coming in, it's just rinse and repeat. And so, yeah, it's, it's a sad thing. And, you know, I've, I've said to my friends who I go with, we're going to go on Saturday, and I think, we just have to try and get back to basics now and enjoy it for a, an excuse to catch up with friends, mm. hopefully cheer the odd goal. But, you know, I, I'm slowly detaching myself from the club. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's very sad and we all feel the same way. Andy, you, you know, I, I think most fans agree that some kind of reset is needed. And the book is favourite to maybe come in and, and start that reset because of what he's done, because of his age, 
was the German coach Julian Nagelsmann, who I have pretty good authority that we have had conversations with. And Tottenham um, released on Friday, I think they call it controlling the narrative in PR speak. Simon will know about this. Something bad might come out. You know what? Get out in front of the press first. Put a story out that stories have come out. We're interested. We never spoke to the guy. He doesn't fit. And again, none of us kind of buy it anymore. We've been in there before. And again, you just think, how, A, how stupid do you think we are? B, none of us really care now <clears throat> about these stories. We just want to see the best person available coach this magnificent football club. We are willing to give anyone who comes in the benefit of the doubt. I think Tottenham always have done. Even managers, we all thought, mm, not too sure. We get behind them. But as we record this today, we still have absolutely no idea of the kind of manager the club wants to bring in. There's no statement, no interview, no one speaking to the fans. We're just in this complete limbo land of, of, of what is going to happen moving on. And that that that's not only just us as fans and who the next coaches. That's who's going to be playing for Tottenham Hotspur next season, which players, obviously, the Kane stuff, Lloris, Kulisevsky is another one now, this loan deal. Might not become permanent. That was I. I, I have no idea what my question was, Shirani. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just talking at you. I just feel like I just want to listen, Mike. I just, you, you feel like you need yeah. to listen to. You. Um, I don't know what the answer is because the the, the the ones the one great manager we've had under Enoch, which was Poch, it feels more and more and more as time passes. Like Levy completely stumbled upon that, um, and it went. Tremendously well. They got a fantastic first eleven with a, you know, a, 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 a fairly half decent bench together. Um, and you know, Poch, Poch wanted to sell these players, sell some of these players, and regenerate this team and keep regenerating the team. Mm-hmm. And it's all about money because Levy, Levy sat and thought it's cheaper to replace the manager than it is to replace the team, to replace the first eleven. So that's what he just continues to do is, is get managers in, replace a manager, and not, not do anything to the first 11 of any great note. And then what, he, what they do is they drag these good managers down to this level. dreadful level. Mm. So I know, you look at this list of who's available, and they could be the best manager in the world. It could be Pep Guardiola, but we drag him down to our level. Uh, Levy has discombobulated us so much that I don't know what a good manager is anymore. Mm. <laughs> I, look at, I look at all these good managers out there and think, it, there's no point them coming to our club because a they're not going to get backed. Mm. Yeah. Then they'll, they'll get back to a point. Yeah. You know they'll ask for they'll ask for two hundred million and then they'll get a hundred. They'll, mm. they'll get back to a point, and you know in eighteen months' time it'll all be we'll, we'll well we yeah. won't have Ryan Mason in eighteen months' time because I imagine Ryan Mason will have moved on to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean the, 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 depress, the depressing thing, Abby, is is that. You know, we, we we still don't know what, what kind of manager. And if you're a young up-and-coming manager and Tottenham is going to be your first really, really big job, mm. if I, as, an, as, a, as an agent as well, I'd be going, oh, you know what, you know, history will show from all the other managers, Mourinho, Conte, et cetera, this might not work out. Do you want to take that job now? You know, again, you're also going in, no idea who your director of football is, someone who's going to be... Uh, foisting players on you. What kind of player? Um, I, I, you know, I, I I don't know what system they want to play. It's an utter mess. And mm. I can't believe, as you said, this is what happened in March. We're now mid-May. 
and nothing has been sorted out. No director of footballers. We believe the, the, the again, this is just according to reports. We're interested in the Brentford, which kind of makes sense. The Brentford footballer director. I heard that stalling. There's talk now of the Benfica footballer director of football. But again, you know, if you're director of football, like any industry, and you, you you're going for a job interview, you're going to make some calls and go. Got an interview with this guy called Daniel Levy tomorrow. What 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 what, what, what do you reckon? What's yeah. so, well, I mean, he doesn't, you know, how you get rid of a lot of players and and you know, all people like Paul Barber, a lot of Paul Mitchell, a lot of people, really, really good football players, have all moved on because they couldn't do what they wanted to do. And then you go, oh god, you know, this this is this is where we are. The, we, we don't get we we don't keep hold of the good execs because they realise their hands are tied and they can't do the job they're employed to do. Well, yeah, I mean, fundamentally, all the issues point back to, I won't just say it's just him. There's Donna Cullen as well, PR expert, who I have to say our PR is absolutely appalling. So that's another one that, you know, needs to be held accountable as well. Not a big fan of her personally. Um, You know, the the whole board. And I think the problem is, like the guys touched on, you know, in terms of bringing a manager in, I mean, I think it's a bit of a poison chalice and this is the club I support because whatever way you look at it, if you look at it from, I'm a young upcoming manager, as you said, and I think, oh, they've had Antonio Conte, they've had Jose Mourinho, two serial winners. I don't care what anyone says, they are. But, you know, they couldn't do it at Tottenham. Well, you know, even if they can't do it at Tottenham, who can do it at Tottenham? So the best thing would be, essentially, is to find another potch, the mm. next potch. And I totally agree with what, what you said, like, that he just stumbled upon potch. I don't think that there was too much thought about that. You know, he was obviously doing an, a, a good job at Southampton at the time, and they thought, OK, let's go and get him. But that's what they need to be looking at. And I've heard a lot of reports that we're linked with the final boss. I think it's, it's Arnie Slot, mm-hmm. um, you know, Xabi Alonso as well, but... Honestly, I don't really care who comes in. All I care about, because I know we're not winning anything. I am, I've am i lowered my expectations because Pochettino raised all of our expectations. And I think what we now need to have a reality check as to where we are. And if I'm honest, I think eighth in the table is probably quite accurate as to where yeah. we are. Um, and I just want a manager that comes in and can actually rebuild a culture and rebuild a DNA. You know, we don't play any type of Tottenham style of football. The last two managers have been completely the wrong appointment because they are money managers. And we, you know, it is a myth that we don't have money. We do have money because Joe Lewis is just as rich as Roman Abramovich was. The difference is Roman Abramovich actually invested into the club, whereas, you know, Joe Lewis does not. Um, But aside from that, I just want to see good football. I want to see attacking football. And I don't really care if we win or we we, we don't win. I just want to see a good football that's being played. I'm, I'm not bothered about even getting into the Champions League at the, for any time soon because we're not a team that compete in it. You know, what's the point of getting in it to get knocked out or scraped through the group stages? That's not competitive. That's not fun. You know, and in a way, I feel like we're back in kind of, you know, I want actually it's a bit harsh to say the Martignol era because we were actually quite good under Martignol mm. and he, he created He's, and he built He laid the something. foundation. He laid the foundation. Yeah, he laid the foundations. Harry Redknapp continued it. Potch kind of cemented it and then it's all been undone by one man. So for me, we need to go back to kind of, we're at that stage where we were before Yol came in, in my opinion. We need yeah, someone to come in, right. rebuild this back. club, yeah. rebuild this club, but he can rebuild it on the pitch, but the culture of it comes from the top, as I said earlier. So unless Levy and Co are going to actually either take a step back and let the director of football, whoever that might be, come in. And I think it would be lovely to have the Brentford director of football come in because they have an amazing setup. Yeah. Hopefully that would bring in the way that they do transfers with kind of their money ball metric. But you don't have to spend 
massively. You really don't look at Brighton, look at Brentford. Mm-hmm. You just have to spend really wisely and also have stability and stick with a manager that has a clear plan and has a DNA that he wants to implement. And I'll even compliment Arsenal, which I never, which I would never do usually. But you know, there was plenty of times they could have got rid of Arteta. And yes, they're not going to win the league, and it's absolutely beautiful. Um, it's the only it's thing that's kept me going. Yeah, but to, to, to give title. to give their board flowers where it's due, you know, they I remember them having a very similar situation with mm-hmm. their board. They absolutely hated the Cronkies. Um, they wanted the Cronkies out, and obviously we are also, you know, kind of in that same mm-hmm. feeling with Enoch. And credit to the Cronkies, they've absolutely turned it around. They've given Arteta time, they've backed the manager. Money. And money, money. And money. Spent but, over 300 million in the last few years. They've spent a lot yeah, of money, Arsenal. They have spent a lot of money, but but that's the thing. If you own a football club, you know, you need to invest properly, not just treat it as a member in a portfolio. And that yeah. is what Tottenham are. We are just a football club within a portfolio of a gigantic stadium, which is lovely, great. I'd still rather be a White Hart Lane and actually be competitive, um, you know, as part of something that offers go-karting, sailing. The mm. you know Skywalk, which you get an email for every single day with ten percent off, yeah. and you know and NFL yeah. games and concerts. You know we yeah. are a football club, and I think that's the problem that the board are so busy running it like a business, and I commend them for the way they run it like a business, but have that same attitude and energy to actually being wanting to achieve something on the football pitch because the amount of money you'd actually get, you'd get your money back if you made this team competitive and they could actually go on and win something, mm. whether that be a Carabao Cup, an FA Cup, or just make them an attractive prospect, you get your money back from what you actually invest in the side. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, Simon, uh, Abby mentioned um, the Brentford uh, football director. Thomas Frank is uh, a name that's been linked with Tottenham. Um, always comes across well in front of the cameras. They play some great football. Uh, they're still winning games now. They had a bit of a dip, but, you know, I've seen a bit of Brentford and I know fans who... Love the way they foot, play football. Yeah. There's no big names in that team, uh, and yet he gets a tune out of them. Is that the kind of manager you think, or do you think there'll be Spurs fans going, oh, we ain't big enough for Tottenham? Well, this is the problem, isn't it? Because I think it works at Brentford because they came into the division as underdogs. They play in a small stadium. There's a massive connection between the fans and the players and the manager. There's no big personalities. You could argue that Tony is, but I don't think actually he is. I don't know him, but he doesn't strike me as a prima donna. But, you know, he comes into Tottenham, suddenly you've got 60-odd thousand, you've got some big stars, and you've also got some big names who, you know, the jury's out on actually whether they are any good. And so it's Mm -hmm. a very, very difficult situation for someone like that to manage. So, again, we're stuck between you know, what would be called the checkbook managers and the, the sort of, you know, like the guy at Brighton or Franks. Well, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a whole group of managers who you'd, you'd arguably give, give it a go. But I, it's, we're neither of those. We're not the plucky underdog, you know, or we're not the, the massive big club. We're just stuck in that no man's land. And that, I think, is the problem. And, and, I, and I don't, you know, I'll go back to what I said earlier. I, unfortunately, I don't think this is about who we bring in. I think it's the... Culture comes from the top. Leadership comes from the top. And at the moment, we're getting nothing. And it drives me mad that the the chairman pushes Ryan Mason out to press conferences. He's underprepared. You know, he's just got no experience. And we hear nothing from the owners. We hear nothing from the chairman. And, you know, the culture is now toxic. And it's their fault. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Andy, the other problem that anyone has got coming in uh, who will clearly want to change things is... 
the amount of players that had to be moved on, the amount of players that you need to sell or cancel contracts. There's a lot of aging players. We all know who they are. Been there a very, very long time. We think that's probably the end of Tottenham. And then you've got to hit the ground running by replacing them with players that can win football matches. So you, you could have a situation where someone comes in with all the great wood of the world, you lose the first three games at home, the pressure's on. And we're starting again. You know, there's no assurances that anyone who comes in is going to be given the time. Um, obviously, Pochettino had that bad rut after Champions League. We kind of understand because there was two transfer windows where we didn't improve the squad. There was a depression with himself and whatever the fact that we, you know, we didn't win the Champions League. There was a, a bit of a hangover, and he wasn't given the time to to, to ride that. Um, and reports are that obviously he was losing some some of the members of the dressing room as, as well. There's no guarantee, is there, Andy, that someone's going to come in and just revitalize everything overnight? It, it can happen, but only if they're given the the time to do it. And the the the, the side has been allowed to sort of fester for so long that it's going to take a long, long time for that, for that to be rebuilt. And I don't want to blow smoke up the arse of Arsenal or anything like that, but what they have done with Arteta was backed him in getting rid of all of those players that he needs to get rid of and, and winning those, the battle, you know, Aubameyang, for example, uh, Lacazette, getting rid of those players that needed to be got rid of mm. and riding out those eight-place finishes, even when the fans were turning on him and the Arsenal fans sitting there saying they've always backed Arteta. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, no, uh, no, I know. A lot, no, a lot I, wanted him out. A lot wanted him out. The amount, of, the amount of, uh, I, uh, the amount of times we've watched Arsenal fan TV for, for just for just for fun, watching them shout about Arteta. Mm. But there was bravery from the board and there was bravery from Arteta to ride that out and that's what's put them in the situation that they're in right now. Mm. Daniel Levy has many things, but he's not brave when it comes to football decisions. And if he sees, you know, if if he if he hears the crowd turning, he will he will he will get rid of a manager just like that, which he's done with Conte and had absolutely no succession plan, and nobody lined up to 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 take the job. Or if he has had anyone lined up to take the job, i.e. Nagelsmann, they've got out of there first because you know it, it's nonsense that they haven't spoken to Nagelsmann. They spoke to Nagelsmann three times. They spoke to Nagelsmann when they when they when you know when Jose came yeah. in. They spoke to Nagelsmann when. Um, uh, when uh, what was it? The guy from Wolves, Nuno, bless his heart. Yeah. Uh, when Nuno came in, so they've 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 got his number. They've spoken to him. He's not interested, and they've they've uh, they've put some a wonderful piece of PR from Donna with, with damage limitation. Yeah. Now we're yeah. about to we're about to hit the the, the day fifty one of the of the managerial search. Oh, Daniel's going to break the record of the last managerial search that's been about <laughs> seventy two days. And what we're going to end up with? Very true. Um, it's going to whoever, be, uh, we, whoever we end up with isn't going to be given any time. There are now there are managers out there that can do an instant job and that can have an instant impact over a couple of years and maybe bring the club to a different level with the same yeah. amount of players. Yeah, but but you know, I mean, anyone, anyone that anyone that needs time. If they accept the job, there maybe they're maybe we're doing maybe we're doing him a disservice. Let's hope he's actually got someone done a deal. No one knows about it. He's told this person wow. go in the yeah. next I mean, few games. I mean, that's yeah. you want. After, after Villa, I, 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 I really has to have someone get up his sleeve, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. You, can, you couldn't even say that. No, I couldn't. I couldn't. Well, look, let's just go to a very very quick break. When we come back, we can continue. Uh, we'll have a brief chat, I think, about some of the players that we think possibly could move on as well. Back in a couple of minutes.
And we're back from the break. Don't forget for premium content, including a daily news show, ex-player interviews, and original documentary series on Spurs, go to patreon.com slash Spurs show. Support our show in the process. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, never fear, in the preseason we will continue with the odd Spurs show and the return of Top 10 Tottenham. Uh, which I know Abby and Simon have, have well, Abby, you haven't done yet. We've, we've got to sort this out. Um, oh, I know. He hasn't done it. And Simon was on last season. Well-known Tottenham fans regaling us their greatest Tottenham moments. We've got Kim Chambers coming up, Simon Felstein, the ex-communications director of Tottenham, oh. Russ Williams, Steve Richards, the journalist, many, many uh, great names. And next week we have with us Sean Singleton, Anthony Marku, and we hope the return of Mr. Paul Whitehouse. Uh, that's uh, next week. Um, Abby, do you have a, a preference? If you were Daniel Levy, who would you be going? You know what? I'm going to give this person the job. Anyone that stands out for you? Well, to or, be honest with you, I would have had Poch back, but yes. you know, they never he never. Apparently, he never got a phone call. They we, we, we believe they never even called him. But no, from what I'm aware of, it was a light approach. Right. But a light approach after Conte. But when right. I say light, it was probably more like, hi, yeah, like, how are you? Mm. How's life? Like, mm. not actually offering anything or saying anything. That's to my knowledge. So mm. we can basically say that that wasn't an actual approach. Um, there was no type of, do you want to come back or anything like that? And, you know, as far as I'm, I'm aware, they were very much, some of the board members were very adamant that they were not going to bring him back. Doesn't Is that, matter that's an back. admission that if you bring someone back, you sacked in 2019. Nice. That's that an admission wrong. that you made a mistake. Yeah. Uh, you're, the people you employed for the last few years and the money that we've all spent has been an utter waste of time yeah. and we're bringing the same player back, that, but same manager back. That's yeah. effectively, I'm assuming, why this lot didn't want to bring him back. A hundred percent. And there are certain members of the board that were very adamant that that wasn't going to happen. And because of how it would look on them, but not rather what's best for the club, what's best yeah. for them. And I know yeah. some people say, you know, you should never go back, but I genuinely think he had enough credit in the bank to not be sacked when he was, and it was completely the wrong decision. And it is vindicated that it was the wrong decision. Here we are four years later. Um, then my second choice would have been Nagelsmann, but mm-hmm. that's obviously now <laughs> down the path. So, um... <laughs> If I if I could pick anyone, I'd probably pick Deserby because I absolutely right. love the way that Brighton play. They were um, they they're magnificent yesterday against Arsenal. Oh, yeah, uh, played some they, wonderful they, football. It's, it's not even just yesterday. I mean, they've been so good the whole way along, and they work on a really small budget and manage to find absolute gems. Whether that's more down to the recruitment, yes, than Deserby, he has been there a short amount of time, but. You know, he plays brilliant football and fundamentally that's all I want. Um, I think Unai Emery would have been a good appointment. Again, really really good football. I see at Villa, obviously he wasn't brilliant at Arsenal. But I think, again, Arsenal were in that kind of transition where it wasn't really all going well with the board. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a a lot of factors as to why, but he's a good manager. Not saying I'd want him in as he's ex-Arsenal, but just looking at talented managers. You know, Thomas Frank would be another one for me. Mm -hmm. Aside from that, I don't really know. I mean, I wouldn't have particularly wanted Vincent Company, not because I right. think he's not not because I think he, you know we're above him at all. I don't. I just think that you know he's got a good. If I'm, if I think about it from less of a Spurs fan point of view and more of a realist point of view. I think if I'm Vincent Company, I've got a good thing going at Burnley, just because Tottenham come knocking. I think I'd rather stay at Burnley, manage the expectations, see how we can go in the Premier League first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really could not tell you. 
who is the best person for the job? Who should be coming in? Because all of my prospects have have gone out the window. They've fallen by the wayside. Simon, yeah. I, I, I've, I've said for a while, not even jokingly, and although people think I'm joking, I'm not, it, it, it really wouldn't surprise me that we end up, and we, um, some people rate him. I, I, I rate him to a certain degree. It wouldn't surprise me we end up with someone like Brendan Rogers, someone that uh, Levis tried to get before. We uh, approached him when Leicester just won the FA Cup. He decided to stay. Uh, Leicester have had, obviously, financial difficulties with the money their um, board um, owners could put in. Uh, obviously, did very, very well at Liverpool, came very short to winning the title. Uh, you'd imagine now out of work, well, another big job at Tottenham, you'd take it. Um, why do you think there's um, such resistance from Tottenham fans for someone like him uh, getting the job? I don't know. Maybe he's not sexy enough. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, personally, I think it's going to be him or Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard a few things that Potter it, 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 it is going to, in the next couple of days, very much become the favourite. Um the way I see it, I don't, you know, I don't think that's the worst thing. Um, mm-hmm. I think what's subsequently happened at Chelsea has shown that it wasn't necessarily Potter's fault what was going on there. Um, mm-hmm. He certainly won't need the money, that's for sure. So our old friend, Mr. Levy, will probably get him on the cheap. And yeah. it, he's certainly someone who's got a massive point to prove. So, yeah, I think with all the names being mentioned, I think that Rogers, I'm not anti-Rogers, but... I don't think it's very forward thinking and I'm not sure it's just going to give the club the lift it needs, the fans and the players the lift they need. Whereas I think Potter, um, going back to what um, Brighton are doing now, absolutely those foundations were laid by Potter. So I think that's a way of rationalising to fans that are sceptical. Look, he's ex-Chelsea, but I don't. I certainly don't put him down as Chelsea because he wasn't there long enough to no. be Chelsea. Um, but yeah, I'd have Potter over Rodgers all day long. The problem they've got, Andy, is, is this: you, you get a long-term manager that might get it right from the, you know, from the bottom to the top in a few years. But you've also got the problem as one of the greatest players ever to wear the lily white shirt, Harry Kane. You need to give him a manager that he's going to be excited about playing under and wants to play under. And this is the issue: there ain't many of them out there that you think. If I was Kane, you've tried Mourinho, you've tried Conte, you tried your mate Ryan Mason as well. And you, if you're if you're Harry Kane, you're going, you know, excite me, get someone who's going to up my game. I'm the leading scorer, all-time scorer of Tottenham Hotspur and England, going after the Premier League record. This is the problem. And do they look short? Do they look sort of short-term and go, well, we need to get someone to keep Harry happy? Or do you go, we've got to look beyond Kane, we've got to look beyond Son, Lloris, I think we'll probably move on at the end of the season. We've got to get someone now who's going to build for the next few years. Uh, this is the sort of conundrum they have, isn't it? Well, I think with Potter, you've got a manager that at Brighton and Chelsea was used to working without a centre-forward. So it's perfect for him to come in and just cash in on Harry Kane. Uh, and, and the manager's not going to complain, is it? He's going to say, well, this is, this is my perfect, the work, the, the work environment I'm used to. Um, but, I mean, look, Harry Kane doesn't strike me as being somebody that is going to throw all his toys out of frame if he employs someone like Graham Potter. He seems like a fairly level-headed, mm. level-headed individual. His, his head was turned by City, but that was understandable. He's not giving any indication that he's... He's got, you know, he wants to go to Man United or anyone else that, that, that reckon they're going to be signing him in the summer. So I think he's the kind of person that would give a manager a chance. I mean, the big question this summer is, is, is you know, I doubt he's going to sign a new contract 
I think Spurs owe it to Harry Kane to allow him to run that contract down yeah, the amount right. of service he's yeah. given us. They are, no, they, they should they it. should do, and I think all Spurs fans want to see him. See, I'm sure he wants to see out his contract. Is, is he not another is year, he... and then next season is his farewell season? We all know he's going to go elsewhere unless something unbelievable happens. And... Is he not? Is he not in a good position that Levy? Levy's, I mean, he's many things, but I don't think he's is a complete basket case that he's going to see the optics. So, you know, the optics of selling Kane this summer are really, really bad. I don't think Levy would be able to come back from that. The mm. current state the club are in, if he goes out and flogs Harry Kane for 50 million to Man United, mm. I mean, you, you say it's toxic now, Simon. You imagine how toxic it's <laughs> going to be after that. So Levy's hands are kind of tied with, with with Harry Kane that he sort of has to let him go at least till Christmas without having discussions about contracts to see how the new manager pans out. And yeah. if Potter comes in and is impressive, um, then you, you know th- things can things can turn around pretty quickly in football. Yeah. As can, I just, can I just jump in there on on yeah. Harry Kane? I think with Harry, what one thing that's definitely relevant to all these conversations that you don't hear much about is obviously. As a captain of England, and arguably the best England side we've had in a decade or so, that side has got a very good chance of winning the Euros next summer. And then obviously following on from that, the World Cup in America in 26. And I think Harry can be forgiven for very much switching his focus to winning trophies and winning the ultimate trophy with England in 26. And I think, yes, he all, you know we all get it about trophies and Kane. And I think... Absolutely, he's ambitious in the club game. But I do think, you know, throughout the next three years, he's going to be spending a lot of time with the other best 25 players in the country. So, you know, that is something that very much will be in his his consideration around. There's absolutely no point in him joining a club where he's getting subbed off, not starting, not the captain. Because not only that might impact his performances for England it may even impact his selection eventually because you've got some very good strikers behind him so I think that's really relevant with the Kane discussion mm-hmm. fair enough well look let, let's leave that here we're going to be come back on Friday and we're going to be looking uh previewing our last home game of the season against Brentford I can't wait to hear what the pundits think how how that's going to fare so for now uh thank you so much for joining us around the world Andy, Abby and Simon, thank you so much for joining us. I'll see you again on Friday. Until then, chin up, everybody. Come on, you Spurs. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.